Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast saying goodbye to the 2018 season. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who predicted Tua's pick six on our last podcast. That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who correctly predicted that Clemson would score first and that the announcers would mention that Dabo played at Alabama. <laughs> That's right. That's me, Trey Newman. The clairvoyant bros were all over it last episode. What about what about your predictions, Mike? What were you? Um, I predicted that uh, T. Higgins would have a one-handed touchdown catch to cover uh, on the last as the last touchdown. He did catch the last touchdown, so can I get yeah. p- partial credit there? Just a little blurry on the vision. Just yeah, yeah just it was a little foggy at the crystal yeah, ball. Yeah, and I predicted Ryan that uh, you would break your ankle dancing to Imagine Dragons. Did that happen? I I didn't even let the opportunity arise there. <laughs> oh, you, you didn't watch Imagine My butt Dragon? stayed planted on the couch. Okay. Yep. Well, I think I changed. I think I altered the course of the future there. <laughs> certainly did. Uh, on today's episode, we are going to, of course, recap the national championship. We are going to discuss the latest news in the coaching carousel, which includes some moves at Tennessee and USC, unfortunately for me. Also, Troy, some breaking news right before we're recording the podcast. And be sure to listen to the end of the episode because we're going to say goodbye to the 2018 season and should be pretty good. Should, there's some music. We're not going to sing, but... You, yeah, thankfully. There could be somebody else singing. Uh, but first, let's talk about our bowl mania pool. So, the winner. Did you guys see who the winner was? Uh, I did. Yeah, Levi. Levi Webb. So he was in second place, but he had Clemson and bad picks. Roger had Alabama. So passed him up in the last game. And that means he gets a college football bros t-shirt. And I also saw that. So there were over 200,000 entries on uh, ESPN's bull mania. He came in 236th place overall. That's crazy. Wow. It is crazy. So well done Levi. And uh, he also emailed us. He said that he, uh, big fan of the show of course and that he listened he has listened to every episode wow that's appreciate that that's commitment i like that i like it too thanks levi i haven't even listened to every episode (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not really a fan of the show either but (laughs) um okay national championship time uh at speaking of levi it was at levi's stadium in beautiful wherever california santa clara oh that's right santa clara (laughs) <laughs> but Dabo called it wherever we are in California. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Clemson beat Alabama 44-16, to 16, which was crazy. What were your thoughts on this game, Ryan? Um, it was crazy, Mike. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a blowout, obviously, on the scoreboard, but I, I felt like it was pretty even game overall. I mean, the only place to me where it was a blowout was the scoreboard. Clemson didn't physically dominate Alabama, you know, and before that last 10 minute drive, which was a pretty crazy ending to, to a game, but yeah, before that Bama had outgained Clemson in the, so far. So, I mean, they, they had a lot of success on the ground in the first three quarters and they constantly got to the red zone, but that's where the issue was. Bama just could not convert in the red zone. So if you look at it, you know, the red zone defense and turnovers is where Clemson really, that's how they won this game. They, you know, they yeah. were plus two in turnovers and the 
and the, their red zone defense was great. Uh, so it was just, I don't know. It was the most, it was a weird game to watch because I felt like Alabama was just going to, it felt like they were right there, but they just were so far behind. Yeah. I, I just kept believing they're, they're going to come back. They're going to come back, but just, they could never punch it in. Yeah. And to your point, uh, I think a lot of people might disagree with you there. I think a lot of people would say, no, Clemson completely dominated the game. What are you talking about? But uh, Massey Peabody, they came out with their their game grades and which the just look at the stats that are predictive moving forward. And they only had Clemson as two points better than Alabama in this game. So yeah, it, it really was pretty close. Like you just you can't be fooled by the score sometimes. Right. And and uh, Bill Connolly also noted that I think Clemson or I'm sorry, Alabama had a better success rate on their on their offensive plays than than Clemson. But the problem was Alabama was was very good on first and second down and and bad on third down, whereas Clemson was unbelievable on third down, which, of course, are the high leverage downs. So I'm not sure if that was all skill or, you know, third down percentage tends to be you know, a good amount of, of luck. Like why were they good on third down and not so good on second down? I don't know. Maybe it was just timely. It was, it was one of the best third down games I've ever seen. They were Trevor Lawrence on third down was eight of 11 with 240 yards and two touchdowns. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. a 30 yard <laughs> average. Like it's absurd. And there's obviously some skill there. I mean, he was placing the ball very well deep on those, on those throws, but still, I mean, they're making one handed catches and yeah, I don't know. The only easy one was when the guy fell down. Like other than that, it was just right, you know. But even on even on that one, he get, Lawrence got drilled. But I mean, no, it yeah, was, he had to buy time there, and he knew he was going to get nailed. But you know, the guy was wide open, and it wasn't like third and ones. It was like third and five or more. <laughs> yeah, they had much longer third down uh, yardage than yeah. uh, than did Alabama. Yeah, they did. I mean, this, Lawrence was incredible, though. This was this was. You know, I've always, <laughs> I've been on the Lawrence fence, but this was far <laughs> yeah, away his best yeah. game. Even you know, people who love Lawrence and think he's amazing have and totally will admit that this was the best game that he's played. I mean, he was awesome. Might so, be, yeah. I mean, he, but he does have amazing skill players around him. I mean, Justin Ross was amazing in this game. He really had a coming out part. I mean, he was great the whole year, but wow, this was amazing. And T Higgins is great. Hunter Renfro, dependable and ETN. I mean, so it's like. You know, guys were making plays for him, but he, he he was still amazing. And the offensive line, I think the the key was Bama's defensive line was not getting pressure at all no. on Lawrence. I mean, no. maybe a, a play here or there, but for the most part, he had a clean pocket to throw from. Well, and you could you could tell that Bama made a concerted effort to stop ETN and the rushing attack. So they were like going to try and make Lawrence beat them because for most of the game, Etienne really didn't do much. Um, he had that one, you know, 20 yard touchdown, but Lawrence just stood in there. Cause one of the questions going in the game was how was he going to do against that Alabama pressure? And yeah, the offensive line hung up well, but there was still some plays where Lawrence made with pressure in his face. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, that's true. whereas on the other side, Tua, Tua was rattled by some of the Clemson D line pressure. Um, you, you could tell him he was just kind of, he was looking for it uh, throughout throughout the game. He was never really comfortable in the pocket. And nope. I really didn't know. I knew that they were good, but I didn't really know how good Clemson's D-line D was because they really hadn't gone up against a team like this. And they were... Even without were, Dexter Lawrence, um, they were Right. Really they were amazing. Well, you bring up how they, you know, uh, Tua was kind of uncomfortable there. And 
a lot of that is obviously the the players of on Clemson's defense, but I I got to give credit to Brent Venables. I mean, he Yeah. He, I don't know what he was doing to to his mind, but he was <laughs> switching up coverages uh but it was cuz this the, the two interceptions he threw, I don't necessarily think it was just amazing plays by the players. They were just putting good spots and Tua looked like he was just like he didn't know what happened to him. You know, so they were mixing it up too. It was yeah, I never quite seen him like that other than maybe a little bit in the Georgia game, but he was flustered. Yeah, no, he he definitely was. I agree. And uh, one other thing I wanted to uh, to bring up were, I guess, a few things. Some some interesting moves, uh, coaching moves from from Nick Saban. So the first one came uh, midway through the second quarter on that fourth and one at I think it was his own thirty five yard line. Yeah, they were only down twenty one sixteen, but he went for it. Yeah, that was that was gutsy. But like Herb Street kind of called it during the game. He was like. He was just trying to read the the game like this was going to be an up and down game. And it was like an inch. It wasn't a full yard. It was yeah. pretty much as close as it could get. So as long as you don't have a negative play, you're going to get it. They'll give you the first down. So I, you know, okay. It's an interesting call, but I don't, I wouldn't, you know, obviously if he wouldn't have got it, everybody would be like, oh, how do you do that? But yeah. I don't know. And I wonder if that showed maybe he, he could see that his defense was not going to be stopping Clemson a lot maybe that's why because he felt like maybe if he punted then exactly maybe they go down two scores that's exactly right okay so that one I think we're all okay with with that call here's one where I think he made a big mistake and it was at the end of the first half okay so they're down 15 they're down what was the score uh 31 16 16 yeah okay so Alabama has the ball third and four with about 40 seconds left or just under and the clock was running, and they just let it run till halftime. What did you guys think about that? Do you think they should have continued going for it, or absolutely when you're down two touchdowns? I mean, unless you're in some like right big hole in deep inside your own territory, bad yardage, then you gotta be aggressive in that point. And I agree, and and also because Clemson didn't have any timeouts. So at the very least, I don't see why Alabama doesn't just run the ball there real quick, see if you get the first down. If you do, then keep going, try and score. And if you don't, no harm done. You can just run the clock down to zero on fourth down anyway and and get to halftime. So I thought that's a missed opportunity. I mean, there's only so many more possessions you're going to get. You could see that the Clemson offense was having a lot of success. And yeah, I thought that was a a bad move by Saban. And then, of course, we haven't brought it up yet. Yeah, I know. It's the fake field goal. I mean, (laughs) it's funny. They, one of the players after the game said that they liked what Clemson showed him on defense. Like in that situation, they felt like they had a good setup there. I'm like, really? I mean, they clearly were not going for a block there. It was, I think they only had like four or five guys on the line. It was the safest defense you could ever see. Like, yeah. I mean, and the kicker is going to be the lead blocker and you feel good about it getting six <laughs> yards. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was, uh, I think even worse than Kirby smarts. Uh, oh, oh. It, it made Kirby smarts fake punt look like the best move ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I mean, I get, I, I get like not kicking the field goal, but you should just totally. After I, I, the, that, that was the right call. I think to go for it. Yeah. And I, I get uh, trying to fake is okay. And you know, it's never, I mean, we, we're, 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 we're always like be aggressive type. We always appreciate that, but you know, when it didn't look like Clemson was going to go for a block, they probably should have adjusted and clearly uh, did not. No, no. So, 
All right, that was a weird one. Um, let's see if I have any other notes. From, any other notes from the game that that we haven't brought up yet? So I just I I kind of I got something I can kind of wrap up with about Clemson. Go for it. So, you know, I was thinking about them, and I know they had an easy schedule, and I'll be the first to criticize that. But personally, ever since Trevor Lawrence was inserted as the starter, we've talked about it. They demolished teams. Mm -hmm. And now capping it off, beating Notre Dame by 27 and Alabama by 28, this has to make Clemson one of the best teams ever. I seriously, I'm not having recency bias here. I think they're a you know, for sure, I think they're easily a top 10 team all time, if not for sure, top five. I mean, considering what they did in their biggest last two games. I would have to really think about that one. I haven't taken a look, but I mean, yeah, when you go 15 and 0, I know it's no one, no one else has really had the opportunity to play 15 games yeah. or not many, but, but yeah, they they were completely dominant except for the Syracuse game, but there was a there was right, a reason but for that. you have there's excuses yeah yeah that game in a&m i mean that was like you said it was with wasn't with lawrence as the entrenched starter but yeah when he, i mean before this game everybody was talking about and us included about bama being you know maybe the top team of all time because they had just demolished yeah. everybody but yeah i mean now with that clemson demolishes them you gotta put them right there i, I agree i think not to I, mention you add in the talent that they have because a lot of te- a lot of times People look back and they, that's why they like those USC Texas games, some of those Miami teams, because they look at those players that they all go to the NFL. And obviously Clemson's littered with that and Alabama is too, and they beat them. So, yeah. And another thing, because I think Dabo mentioned that about Alabama being maybe the best team ever um, in his post game, kind of on the field, not a press conference, but right. interviews. And one thing I wanted to bring up was, Right now, obviously, everyone is is loving Clemson. Like, what's not to like, right? Dabo seems like a great guy. The team seems to have a lot of fun. Whereas Alabama was kind of seen as the, you know, they're they're the robots, and and Nick Saban runs a a tight ship, like an, you know. Yeah, it's an organization. <laughs> but at some point, if Clemson keeps winning, and and they clearly are, when are we going to start hating them? Because we hate everybody, right? Anyone that wins. We're going to start hating you. And Dabo at the end of this game was trying really hard to keep that. Under, I think he yeah. might have literally said, we're just little old Clemson. Yeah, I know. You know? I'm like, what? little old Clemson. <laughs> and it's like, Dabo, yeah. you're recruiting five stars and four stars. Your whole roster is stacked. And you've got, you're paying your coordinators a ton of money. Like, you're no longer little old Clemson. No. But I still like him. I don't know, though. I don't, I'm not sure if I'll ever get, I don't think I'll ever get to the point of, disliking clemson as much as i do alabama i, I honestly don't dislike alabama i, I cheer and yeah, do i cheer against i well i want i don't even want to say i cheer against them i cheer for the team playing against them usually because yeah. they're usually the underdog right like we always cheer for yeah just like when i was in high school and i cheered against usc uh, whoever was playing against usc or right. before that whoever was playing against miami it's just what you do as a, yeah, exactly. as a fan yeah that's true it's, i don't hate them it's just you know Saban can rub people the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What else here? Uh, I guess let's let's look ahead a little bit then. Um, so moving forward, are you guys at all concerned about Alabama? And I guess another question that kind of goes along with it is is who is your title favorite for for next year? So so I don't have any concerns about Alabama. Yeah, it was ugly and disappointing, but on 
on talent alone, you know they're going to be in the mix for the foreseeable future. They have they've had top recruiting classes every year recently. They might finish with the number one class again this year, so they're going to be fine. Yeah, they might need some solidarity in their coordinator positions as those seem to be changing and are very fluid every year, but they're going to be fine. You know, if anything, this was just a crack in the dynasty, but it's not going to bring it down. So I'm not concerned. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the coordinators. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have been talking about that. Well, just after this game that, oh, Alabama got out coached and it's because of the coordinators. That's that was the their downfall. But I, I saw a tweet from Michael Castillo, who hosts the Reign of Troy podcast, a USC podcast, and he put it really well. He tweeted, when you win your 12 regular season games by 20 plus points and kick Oklahoma in the teeth early, it's kind of hard to say brain drain is the reason for getting disemboweled in a title game. Completely agree with that. I and mean, he said it a lot better than I would. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like why suddenly their coordinators are, are, are just really bad. They had an historic season. They didn't just all of a sudden soccer or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on. No, I'm not putting any blame on that. It's just they they kind of got unlucky and Clemson was just really freaking good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far as your question though, well, obviously I'm not worried about Bama. I mean, it's, you know, actually I I think if I had to pick a, a favorite for next year, I would give the edge to Bama over Clemson. It's, it's one A and one B, take your pick. You know, they'll probably meet in the title again. Uh, <laughs> they might. But I, I'll just give the edge to Bama. I don't know. I, Clemson loses that entire D-line, so that was kind of their heart and soul, and their, they had a lot of leadership there, so maybe that's why I'll give the edge to Bama. Yeah, I would also give the slight edge to Bama. I think right now the odds have Clemson as slightly more of a favorite to win the title, but like you said, it's neck and neck. They're super close. So I th- And I, I think I would, if I had to pick, I would... It's yeah, one A and one B. I maybe take Clemson just because the ACC is a lot more manageable. But um, and That's then I think actually the third, a really good point. The third team is is Georgia. Um, I think it's Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, and then it's kind of everyone else. Uh, at, at this point, yeah, maybe Georgia lost. Just had some guys announced they're going pro, but yeah, I, I would agree with that, Trey. At least right now, um, yeah. and Alabama just right before we recorded, I saw that Raquan Davis announced he's coming back. So, oh wow, that's that's a a big guy to keep. That's huge news for them. Uh, but we'll we'll get to we'll get to, we have plenty of time in the off season to debate whether Alabama or Clemson should be number one. Uh, it'll definitely be, t- be between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question I have uh, about last night uh ryan scale of one to ten how would you rate imagine dragon's performance oh wait no you couple- said you didn't watch it well uh no i did watch it i just oh, okay good stayed seated okay yeah so what would you rate it um eight and a half it was you know it was pretty good <laughs> oh, okay lil wayne did you like lil wayne's outfits oh gosh oh yeah 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 quite a production <laughs> <laughs> uh i saw someone tweet um they said i don't want to overreact here but imagine dragons should be in prison (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't overreact he didn't overreact was it you (laughs) it wasn't me it wasn't me but i thought it was not a great performance yeah i mean that's why i gave it an eight and a half because it (laughs) certainly could have been better (laughs) could have been better okay (laughs) one more thing of i that we didn't mention was that uh, we're talking about alabama's failings in the red zone 
that that false start was such a big play. I was, yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that at the yeah. half yard line. It probably takes a touchdown off the board. Second and goal at the one. Yeah, they would have taken the lead there. What twenty one or twenty to fourteen? I think yeah, yeah. So it was thirteen fourteen at that time. So yeah, that was that's huge. That's four points you take away. You know the other thing. Okay, about Alabama, and it's it's becoming tired. Like I, their fans must just be just irate about it. But how can you recruit just ridiculous, ridiculous talent <laughs> everywhere? Yeah. And for years, they have not had an average kicker. Like the guy misses the extra point. You thought maybe early that might matter. Then they ran the fake because even you know even if he kicks it, like the odds of him making that seem slim. Last year in the national title, it almost cost him. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. It is pretty crazy. Why can't they? Because look what LSU did. They got a, a transfer from Assumption College to come, just a grad transfer. Why can't they find the best, you know, FCS kicker or the best D two right. kicker when they want to transfer to Alabama? It, it's baffling. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. I mean, they, it's not like they don't have talented kickers coming to their program. It just, it's. I think kicker is the position that is maybe the toughest though to project from high school yeah Yeah, that's true i mean sometimes you see these what high level kickers and they're just stink in college yeah whoa ryan language please (laughs) sorry okay um all right well we'll move on to yeah the coaching carousel some big news here that kind of came out of nowhere jim cheney is leaving georgia of course he's their offensive coordinator and he is going to tennessee in the same position. Yeah. Um, he's going to be the highest paid offensive coordinator in the country. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty solid hire here for Tennessee. He's overseen some really good offenses during his you know long coaching career and coached a lot of great quarterbacks, you know, going all the way back to a guy like Drew Brees uh, at Purdue. So, you know, he's got some credibility for sure. And he did well at Georgia the last couple of years, especially this year. They were really good. Um, he took Jake Fromm to another level. So, I think he's going to do a great work with our quarterbacks there. I, you know, I'll, I'll give it a probably a B plus hire. I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think I think it's a good hire, but paying him like they are—that's I'm a little indifferent on it. Uh, he's had some amazing talent to work with, and then most recently, obviously at Georgia. So I guess to me, the the bigger success is that they're making it tougher on Georgia as they have to replace him. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in the same camp as you guys. It it. Jim Cheney doesn't strike me as the guy that should be the highest paid offensive coordinator in the country, but yeah, hey, it's it's not my money. If Tennessee wants to, yeah, it, you know what what's the harm? It's it's their money, so yeah, exactly. They got a de- they got a solid coach, and I so I think that's that's a good move. Is it an upgrade over Helton? Is kind of the the question. I don't know. Hard to say. It, it is it is hard to say. Um, I, I think a big thing for Georgia is that apparently their offensive line coach is not following him. And I think Georgia fans are probably more fond of him than even Jim Cheney. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good for Georgia, at least. Um, okay. Well, let's get to some sad news for me. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury is moving on to become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, the head coach of an NFL team after getting fired from texas tech so weird it is crazy so obviously i i don't blame cliff for leaving i think there's probably some faction of usc fans that feel he wronged us somehow but what do you want the guy to do i don't i don't mind i don't mind he he had the leverage and so he signed a contract with a with a low buyout and then when nfl teams came calling he 
apparently it just came out he did resign in order to go oh to, yeah sure to, he resigned without knowing he was going to get the head coaching job. well yeah may, sure. maybe he had a little sure i'm not sure but either way uh i think it is a bad look apparently it's they've gone back and forth but i think the the latest news is that usc did try to block him that's what they going. said originally they were blocking him they weren't going to allow him right and then it came out like oh maybe they didn't but now i think it is it is yes they they did which i think is a bad look i mean how was that going to work out? You're you're trying to block a guy from going to interview for clearly better jobs. I, I just don't think that's. Yeah, no, it's not a good move for USC at all. Cliff, Cliff Cliff did speak speak well of SC, so at least that that went well. Yeah, I mean, what's he going to say? But but anyway, the, here we are <laughs> now. The one guy that really gave USC fans hope for next season, the, a reason to be excited, because none of us were happy that uh, Clay Helton was retained, and now he's gone and. I, I don't know what we're going to do. I I don't know. Is well, T. Martin still available? Oh, please no. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Michael. That was that was rough news. And yeah, that hurts. The NFL, man, they're all chasing the next kind of Sean McVay. And yeah. So they're, they're thinking maybe. I honestly don't mind it. If I was an Arizona Cardinals fan. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, it's weird, but I yeah. don't know. It's a risk. And he's he's all or nothing. And I he's got potential. Like, it's better than just being taking some safe, boring coordinator. and Hugh Jackson or something. Right. <laughs> Now, you know, maybe he just maybe it blows up at Arizona and and he he's fired as coach next year and he's he's back at SC as the head coach. You never or maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe Urban Meyer comes to SC next year. Who knows? Uh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. I you know, it, it's it is weird that a coach gets hired after being in the NFL after being fired from a school like Tech, but you know, like Trey said, it's they're looking for Sean McVay, you know. And then the NFL game is so much you know, the the coaching is so much different, the responsibilities than in college that it's like, it's not exactly a direct correlation. So just because he couldn't do very well at Texas Tech doesn't mean he's not going to have a lot of success right. in the NFL. So maybe he's better suited for the NFL. Who knows? Like some guys, some coaches just are better suited for that. But I don't know. He can also thank Patrick Mahomes for this job, though. You know, that's true. That is very I true. Mean, if it wasn't for him, I'd because I'd, that's where this relationship with, with uh, the Arizona's GM and stuff kind of developed. So I'd I think Mahomes has kind of helped him out for sure. Um, so before we uh, before we move on, this is obviously very emotional for me because I was I'd become quite attached to Cliff, and <laughs> yeah. So I kind of let the emotions pour out of me in uh, the form of a poem. Oh boy, uh, would you, would you guys allow me to read that on the podcast right now? Yes, is it a haiku? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, okay. it's, it's very, it's, it, it rhymes. That's all I can tell you. Good, good. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's called Dear Cliff and it, and it starts, Dear Cliff, for the past decade, I watched your coaching career start as you tore through the big 12 and into my heart. The moment I heard you had signed with my squad, my unbridled joy shone through on the pod. I dreamt, of dom- uh, I dreamt of the dominance an air raid future would hold and how sexy you'd look in Cardinal and Gold. <laughs> <laughs> All of Trojan Nation was fully stiff for Cliff. And now we're left muttering, what if? What if? Oh, wow. That's deep. Mike, that's nice. it. That's all. Wow. The end. Yeah, that was a short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> it, was very, it was a very short-lived hire. Um, okay, we move on. We move on. Ohio State hired Greg Madison, Michigan State's D-line, or Michigan State, Michigan's D-line coach, 
to be their co-defensive coordinator. And they also hired Al Washington, um, Michigan's linebackers coach, to to the same position at Michigan. So, uh, what do you think about this move? I mean, doesn't I? Yeah, go ahead, Trey. I I think it's solid. They they Ryan Day's not messing around. He he showed Shiano the door pretty much, and and is starting over. But it's just amazing that he pulled a guy from arch rival Michigan and. And Madison has a good track record, uh, with, with obviously defensive line play. And I think it's a, it's a fine hire. I, I don't have an issue with it. And then like, Ryan, you can talk a little bit more about Washington. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I, Madison has obviously proven himself pretty well. Um, and their D line was, should have been better than it probably was this year at Ohio State. So maybe he'll come in and help that. But yeah, Washington is probably, I don't know, maybe to me, he's, maybe the bigger hire there because he's such a great recruiter um you know much better than madison will be um so that's a huge blow more for michigan i mean ohio state's going to recruit well just because they're ohio state but uh for for michigan they had you know they had really good recruiting years again this year but losing a guy like that 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 hurts you know it's going to hurt in the recruiting game so okay uh last move we have to discuss here is football scoop is reporting that chip Lindsay, who was just hired away from Auburn uh, to Kansas as their offensive coordinator. And he is now expected to be the head coach at Troy, replacing Neil Brown. So what would you, what would your grade be for this hire? Um, I, I would probably give it a B minus. Um, not exactly thrilled about it, um, but not horrible either. Um, if you would have, if this would have been this time a year ago, then I probably would have given it more like an A minus because Auburn had such a yeah. good offensive season last year. But this year, for whatever reason, they just struggled. Uh, it was kind of nobody could really put a finger on it. But um, uh, maybe the so offensive it, line. What? Maybe the offensive line. Yeah, that you know, <laughs> that you, didn't you could point a finger <laughs> at that. But yeah, they just weren't nearly as good. So it, it's hard to be as excited for the hire. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that that yeah a year ago it might have been a, a little more sexy on paper but that's a it's a fine hire and uh, you know with troy being in alabama he's got some familiarity as we always say so so that can't hurt so, you know they're looking they for a school like troy you gotta get a a young coordinator and they went for it yeah i'll i'll give it a i'll give it a c maybe that's a little harsh but that's a little harsh yeah i mean he pretty much got run out of auburn right uh he he left basically before he got fired. Yeah, he did. He did. And so you're you're hiring the offensive coordinator from Kansas. So I don't know. I just I know he did a good job at Southern Miss before that and at Arizona State he, you know, was okay um when they had healthy quarterbacks, but I don't know. It's a little underwhelming. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Well, that'll do it for the bulk of this podcast, but we do have one more one more thing left. We have to say goodbye to the 2018 season oh are you guys man. ready for that i've been ready since you know did what december no even before after thanksgiving when you know nebraska lost i've been ready just to turn the oh, page okay. and move on to 2019 <laughs> fair all right yeah. well here we go yeah
by Art Sitkowski. Thanks for your many valiant attempts to achieve the first ever game with a negative QBR. Goodbye, Stanford kicker Jet Toner. Thanks for a great season and a constant reminder to hit up Staples. Goodbye, Christian Wilkins. Thanks for inspiring me to give my boss a wet willy. Goodbye, Brett McMurphy. Thanks for telling us the type of thong that Zach Smith likes to wear. Goodbye, Urban Meyer. And hello to the incessant rumors of Urban Meyer's return. Goodbye, Liberty Football. Thank you for not even pretending to give a shit about character. Goodbye, Taylor Cornelius. Thank you for allowing me to call a 23-year-old man Corndog. And goodbye, Chevy commercials. You will not be missed.